everyone, it's Nathan. And Mickey. And we're here to talk over your movie. Woohoo. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Right. Just... I saw a squirrel. We are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survived, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. And the thing that comes up every once in a while is sexual purity. Sexual purity is really important to a lot of people because it is kind of like this idea that like that's how we kind of treat it. Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you have sex. Jesus doesn't cover that. So, yes, that's right. Um, here I am, Nathan Underwood, uh, back on commentary. And so I haven't done this one in a little while. It's uh, going to be kind of fun. And bringing back a classic guest, my wonderful <laughs> wife, Mickey. I'm classic. Well, you've, you've been on here a few times. <laughs> that's true. So, you know, everyone kind of knows you. Anyway, well, we are um, back doing commentarians here for the month of August 2021. Um, it seems like we've done August before, and it always seems to be kind of a crazy time for us because we're doing back to school and everything. Teacher and maintenance and yeah, all most, that business. Yeah, as most of you know, Mickey is the uh, music teacher at a local private school, and I am the maintenance person at the same school. So we're generally pretty busy this time of year, but... That being said, um, we have a great movie. At least I think it's a great movie. Uh, it's getting mixed reviews or has gotten mixed reviews over the years, but Monuments Men from 2014, as I mentioned in Coming Attractions. Um, All-star cast, George Clooney, Matt Damon, and plenty of others. Uh, John Goodman. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Um, yeah. So is it Blanchett or Blanchett? Depends know. on where you are. I guess so. I think. Well, I'm in Oklahoma. If you're in Oklahoma, it's Kate Blanchett. So, yeah. But it's a pretty good movie. Um, for those of you who don't know, it is about World War II. Um, for a war movie, there's not a ton of violence um, because we are kind of mainly focused on the Monuments Men uh, and their their struggles. So there's some mild profanity. So if you have little kids, you might preview it first. Um, we actually watched it with our kids who are uh, five and eight. They did just fine through it. So... But that being said, um, those of you not familiar, we are going to go ahead and get started. We got our movie paused at zero. Uh, so if you don't have your movie set up, go ahead and uh, stop it, get it ready to get to zero, and we will count down three, two, one, and play if you want to watch along with us. And if you don't want to watch along with us, uh, we will try to keep the conversation pertinent enough that you don't actually have to watch the film. But, you know, it's just kind of there to get us going. So... I guess we are ready. Binky, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. We have the advantage of being in the same place. So <laughs> it's going to be kind of nice. So anyway, three, two, one, and play. So if you're watching, um, you should see a bright light. Um, we're watching on Amazon because that seemed to be the easiest way for us to get a hold of it. We didn't have to wait for anything to show up at our door. <laughs> Who does so, that? Yeah. It, it, it is really wild to me, and I think I've mentioned this before, that, like, from the time we were children, I you know, we went to having 
I went to having network TV. We never had cable growing up. I think we had five channels mm-hmm. growing up. Us too. And uh, the um, uh, yeah, we had like five channels growing up, and then uh, we went from that to not having any kind of player. Then we had a cassette player, and then DVD, and now we don't even have DVDs anymore. It's kind of crazy. Okay, so based on a true story. Yes. That uh, the loud banging always kind of. <laughs> I I kind of was testing this a few times, and I had the volume up a lot louder than I did, and uh, the loud banging kind of startled me the first time through. I think that's their goal. Get your attention. Jump you right into the scene. Yeah. So. Start asking questions. So here we've got, um, we're in a church, we see some art that's being taken down, and some priests who are boxing it up, I presume, I presume they're trying to hide it, um, because, as we said, this is based on the Monuments Men, um, which were the, the men who were, at the end of World War II, were commissioned to go over to Europe and, and number one, try to preserve artwork, keep it from being bombed or destroyed um, as the uh, Americans were going through Europe trying to run the Nazis back out to the east. And the other thing was to try to keep other things, uh, to recover uh, stolen art and artifacts from mm-hmm. the Nazis. Because, you know, as they, it's you know, popularly known that as they rounded up Jewish people and put them in concentration camps. A lot of uh, Nazi soldiers uh, took, and officers took a lot of their belongings, took their homes, their art collections, and things like that. And it's kind of a a bum deal all around, really, I guess. It's probably a terrible way to say that. <laughs> like that's saying it as lightly as possible. Yeah. I think. For those of you who have not... Uh, spent much time with me uh i'm kind of a master of understatement <laughs> um pardon me while i open my drink here but um so here we have a collection of stolen art um being looked over by a couple of nazis uh, get it ready to be cataloged and shipped back toward uh, now they're not shipping them straight to Berlin just yet, but I think that's the uh, the plan. I think we discover later in the just here in a couple minutes that the Führer's Museum is the ultimate goal here. So. And we have Kate Blanchett's character, Blanchett, Blanchett, Kate's character, <laughs> who uh, is kind of the curator and. Uh, cataloging um claire simone is her character a french woman um art historian i would guess yeah i think she, and, uh, there's actually kind of a note in here it's actually kind of cool if you're watching on amazon you can pull up notes uh she was uh, they believe she's based on rose valand um who was a parisian art something uh museum curator 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 so and you can see here we're uh, shorthanding her contempt for the Nazis. <laughs> she Spitting and asking in there. the uh, champagne. The, the other girl to spit in the champagne glass. So, 
Yes. You know, in every movie I see or cartoons when they destroy a piano or something as a as comedic relief, I'm like, anything but the piano. I think that's just barely the tip of how she's feeling about all this artwork. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, this is, uh, of course, we've got bombing going on here. So we started in Belgium, in a church in Belgium, with the artwork being hidden. Then we were in um, Paris at the the museum. And then now we're literally in a bombing zone um, with the Last Supper. And now we're back in the United States with George Clooney um, talking to some politicians to try to convince them that we need this uh, team of monuments men to preserve history through art and monuments and architecture and um, to try to put them together to preserve all of that from these different peoples around the world. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's um, one of the things that I, I like here is that he, you know, he basically says, you know, that what's the point of winning the war if we're going to lose our, you know, the, the, the foundations of, mm -hmm. you know, here, here it is, the Ghent altarpiece, you know, basically the defining monument of the Catholic, Catholic Church. And uh, so the, uh, where's, he says it right here in just a minute, basically, it's like if, yeah, if we lose the foundations of modern society and... A lot of people want to think, of course, the foundations of mo a modern society are things like commerce and uh, technology and things like that. But, you know, I don't think we would get any of that stuff if it weren't for art, because art is what sparks our imagination and what keeps us moving towards greater things. And it's not just, you know, it's it's not just a collection or a conglomeration of of pigments in a wall or on a canvas. Um, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, so this is, you know, one of those things they really put a, a large importance on the, uh, on making sure these things survive. So that's, and that's actually one of the things that um, I know you, Mickey, as you're a, a music teacher, that's one of the things that you try to incorporate as you're teaching different styles of music that, you know, that you make sure pe the kids know as they're going through and even some of the things as simple as, as, you know, some of the nursery rhymes and familiar songs that kids play with and sing growing up that you make sure they know there's a history behind that. There's a reason mm -hmm. that those came from a certain place. There's a reason there's that style of music. There's that history behind uh, different things. Right. Um, something I was thinking about um, of the movie is some of the reviews I've heard, they talk about how it seems they can't quite settle on a tone of the film, that there's some drama, there's some a little bit of, you know, the character development, and then there's also some comedy and humor and the the uh, score kind of follows along with that too because there's the you know the whistling march um with the soldiers here in a little bit 
um, than we've had so far. We've had these big sweeping strings and um, French horns and things with these sentimental tunes and harmonies. Um, but uh, going back, this is where it ties into what you were saying. Um, there's an American folk song called Rocky Mountain. Um, not Rocky Mountain High like John Denver, but it's called Rocky Mountain. And it says Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain High. When you're on that Rocky Mountain, hang your head and cry. And so it, th the kids ask, well, why are you crying? You know, the mountains are beautiful. We love going to Colorado. And it's the story of, you know, settlers moving west and how um, how hard that was. There were no paved roads. There was no interstate. You know, this is how I explain it to the kids. And there, a lot of people died as they were trying to make their way through the frontier and um, and start a new life, a better life for their families. And they're like, well, why is it so happy? Why is there a game that goes with it? Well, that's in order to preserve that history. Because if the kids are singing this happy tune and playing a um, playing a happy game along with this song, uh, they're just going to keep singing it. And those kids aren't going to forget the history that came before them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and that's, uh, yeah, like you said, when you get the, the Rocky Mountains, because there were, there was... There were stories of people being like, this has got to be the end of the world, or, you know, this is the mountain mm -hmm. range. It's right before we get to the Pacific. And you get there and you look out what it is. It's like just tons more land and desert. Mm -hmm. And this is this kind of cracks me up on a side note. They, the, they're in the doctor's office and the doctor and patient are both smoking while the doctor's just coughing his, mm -hmm. his head off. But um, one of the things that... Um, like you're talking about the the games and preserving these things for children and and whatnot is the that's one of the things I will say I did like about this movie is even though there's some profanity in it there's like there's no nudity there's no um there's not a lot of graphic violence mm -hmm. um I think one guy is shot but when he's like one of the main like t parts of the team is shot but I think Spoilers. he's shot like yeah Hopefully you've watched this before. <laughs> um, and yeah, please expect some spoiler spoilers. I'm sorry, but I think when he's shot, he's actually off screen when he's shot. You see the people shooting, but mm -hmm. you don't actually see him getting shot. And that's one of the things that I like about the way this film is put together. You said it kind of struggled to find a tone, but at the same time, um, it's I like the fact that this is something I can show to my kids mm -hmm. and give them an introduction to kind of the idea of war and that things like that go on in the world uh, and without having to have some super heavy handed mm -hmm. uh type of <laughs> right uh, of movie you know i'm not going to show them the thin red line or saving private ryan right. we're not going to introduce our children to nazis with schindler's list right yeah <laughs> when they're yeah when they're five and eight but this kind of gives them an idea of what happened during World War, World War II, and I think that's an important piece of history that we should have. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually spurred a lot of great questions and conversations mm -hmm. from our older, uh, from our eight-year-old. And, um, you know, the focus is on the art, but there's all these peripheral, I mean, it's the same thing with The Sound of Music. I showed that to first through fifth graders at my school several years ago for our musical mania um, <laughs> unit at the end of the year when everyone is tired. So we um, 
learned about the songs and things. Um, and they recognized Doe a Deer and they recognized some of those songs, but then they started asking questions about the Nazis and why did this happen? And so you can talk about that with children, you know, not in depth, but um, just the idea that there are ways to solve problems and there are ways not to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And um, so our, our oldest was asking questions, you know, well, what? why were there, why was there this? And what, what does that star mean? And so, um, prompted a lot of really great side discussions. I think this movie is uh, two hours long and I think mm -hmm. it took us about three or four to actually watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I'm fine with that, you know, and I, I think that's, that's part of art too. I mean, film being an art, but the art and the, the monuments, the architecture spurring discussions mm -hmm. about, you know, why was, you know, the Last Supper, why was Jesus, why were Jesus and the disciples portrayed in this way? What does that say about the artist? What does that say about Jesus and the disciples? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what, what would, what is accurate about this depiction? What might not be historically accurate and just um, have those conversations build out of the, the art itself? Yeah, and that's, and and the thing is, and again, I, I will say you now this does kind of might kind of fall into the the pit of kind of taking the battle part of it too lightly at times because there is a decent amount of humor in here, but it's kind of like that that song you were talking about. Why is there a dance? Why is there mm -hmm. why is there a game that goes along with it? And it's kind of like, well, this is we need we need to ease everyone into it, right? So. The, the the point of this particular film was not the war. Right. Uh, even though this is a big, you know, a part of the war, it's one that I didn't even know about until you suggested watching this for oh. commentarians. So it's like, this is not what most war movies focus on. <laughs> and so um, I think they wanted to bring that to the forefront. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, I, I didn't know about this until I had had a, seen a preview for the movie right. back in 2014 and uh, and i remember looking at it and go oh i you know and hearing that it was based on a true story i was like oh and so i haven't done a, a ton of research into the monuments men um but i do know that they are apparently still working to to get some of these uh paintings some of these pieces of art back to their respective homes like or to the people who you know not necessarily the physical location they came from but at least to the families or to the organ you know organizations some of the churches they may have belonged to because some of those churches have been destroyed unfortunately um i you know I, and i get really frustrated too you know a couple of years back there was the uh, notre dame cathedral there was was a fire some there was some damage to it and the number of of protestants who were actually acting like they were happy that this place burned because they're like oh you know we're getting rid of all the the idols and things like that and it's like but you're losing a ton of history mm -hmm. just a ton and in just a small spot now that might just you know that was a very small voice in the crowd but the, of those people who were making the those shouts of you know making it sound like it was some kind of grand victory for jesus that uh, uh you know the cathedral was being destroyed. It just, that just, it grates on my, on my nerves to hear people that speak with that amount of ignorance. 
Agreed. <laughs> so now we're at Normandy, 1944. Um, something I was listening to earlier today on this, um, you know, this focuses on what seven main guys. Yes. Um, and there were actually 400 um, monuments men in the unit. So this is just the, a microcosm of the <laughs> yeah group. Well, of those four hundred, you know, it's, I wonder how where they were distributed. And, mm-hmm. and of course, we'd have much we'd have a much longer movie if we tried to to <laughs> get all four hundred in there, right? Well, and that's the other thing. Like this movie being a conversation starter makes me really want to read the book that it was based on because I, you know, we all know it will. You can go into so much more depth with a novel, or I guess not a novel in this case, but a book versus a movie. Yeah, and I'm looking for, uh, I don't know, do you happen to have the name of that author? I was going to mention that in case Um, anybody wanted to look that up. I can pull it up if you want. Monuments, man. Let's see here. You finding it? Well, I'm trying to find it. Um, <laughs> I can't find the name of the novel it's based on. Um, and it's, well, I know it's of the same name, but I'm trying to find the author. That's fine. Well, if, if, if you happen to, to find it, let me know. Uh, so here we have, um, back to Claire. Not sure exactly what's going on here. This is, I didn't get a chance to, like, study when what happens in depth well, i think this just just before we were, it showed 1944 so i think kind of in that same era oh no i mean when what happens in the movie oh i, I know okay. it's like 1944 yeah it's like okay. the, the very end of world war Two. it's just um because i think that was uh, when they showed up on the boat that was Normandy Beach, they were just walking into the aftermath of it. Okay, so the author is Robert M. Edsel, E-D-S-E-L. The Monuments Men, Allied Heroes, Nazi Thieves, and the Greatest Treasure Hunt in History. Bum, bum, bum. I might just order that right now. Are you okay with that? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to read it, too. Go ahead. <laughs> We're the professional podcast. Yes. And we, we do not get any kickback from Amazon or Robert M. Edsel. No, we <laughs> we just appreciate that he remembered this group of soldiers and, uh, you know, w- wanted to honor what they did in, the, in their memory. Uh, one of the things I want to point out, too, and this is something you don't really see a lot, and I realize... Times have changed and wars changed and patriotism's changed, but I, I do find it really interesting that of the guys who were uh, that Stokes was rounding up, it kind of seemed like there was something that had kept them from being able to en- to enlist and fight in the military. Like the one guy, he asked how his heart was. I don't remember if you mentioned any specific medical problems with the other guys. Um, I know the one guy was an alcoholic. Um, there was, you know, another guy he asked, hey, do you want to actually get in this war? 
you know, so it's seems like some people who wanted to to have a part in helping uh, do the right thing um, who were just kept out. Because I do know that there was lots of guys who did try to go, but for some reason or another uh, were were kicked out. Um, I know my I'm trying to think my one of my grandpa's uh he was he tried to enlist but he had messed up his knee on a like a accident in the farm and so he couldn't he was not able to enlist in the military something to do with the fence post or something mm, sounds about right and as far as the tone i mean i think this to me i mean i i think overall it's like so, there, there. Like you said, there's, there's some, there's some comedic spots, and there's some, uh, you know, there's some dramatic spots. But I don't feel like it's any. I don't feel like it's terribly choppy. It just kind of feels like a movie that was made before 2014. <laughs> right. You know, it, it's yeah. a. Well, and it also just fits with. I mean, George Clooney has a, a broad range of mm -hmm. things he's mm -hmm. directed and acted in. Um, but, you know, I think I was asking you, was this, uh, was it a Coen Brothers, you know? What, no, you know, or, Clint, he directed this one. Right. But it kind of has a bit of that tone, you know? Yeah. He actually, he kind of does that, uh, cause he did, uh, Leatherheads as well. Right. Right. So it's still, you know, historically based. I think it's respectful of the, the actual um events but like we were talking about earlier it it allows for a broader audience adding some of the humor and um those things <laughs> so they've just recovered a whole bunch of um paintings from the Nazis. Whatever 12 times 30 is, roughly. A lot. A, about a dozen crates with roughly 30 images. Th 30. 360, paintings. I think. And just... It does. just makes me sad thinking about all the, the artwork that was lost. Of mm -hmm. course, you know, that's nothing compared to the human toll and 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 uh stokes even said when he went in you know don't take any unnecessary risk because even though the stuff they're going after is important none of it's more important than than the lives right and i think that was probably one of the arguments against forming this unit is <laughs> because you know we're waging war why are you worried about paintings <laughs> yeah well and and that was actually uh the yeah one of the the co when they showed up on scene here actually said that he goes do you you expect me to write a a letter home to some boy's mother letting him know that he's dead because we couldn't take down a, a church steeple mm -hmm. and so you know there's there's it, it's really i and i see both sides of it and you kind of have to take it all in balance. But there is something about all this artwork, the way that we've been able to tell stories over the years, because you're, you know, looking at 
pieces that are hundreds of years old that were originally made for illiterate audiences Mm -hmm. to be able to help them remember the stories of the Bible and, and bring those things to life where now we, we have a, you know, we have movies. So if you want to see the story of the monuments, man, we find Mm -hmm. a good director, you know, (laughs) or if we want to see the story of, you know, I know right now you and I are watching the chosen with the girls, um, Mm -hmm. with a studio, you know, the, the studio that tells the story of Jesus and, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm kind of going, okay, yeah, there's, there's definitely events and things that were in the Bible. There's a lot of speculation going on, but to be able to get an idea of maybe how that culture worked, you know, we, it's been really nice as opposed to just seeing it in paintings. I mean, the paintings are awe-inspiring. We went to, we just went this summer to Kansas City and the, mm-hmm. the religious art in the, that museum there is just I mean, you you walk into the the room with all of the 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 icons, and you just there's you, you there's a sense of awe that gets stirred up in you over that. Mm-hmm. And again, that was our our last day of our trip, and mm-hmm. we we're like, well, we we you know that was one of the things Nathan really wanted to do, so we decided to go and thought, oh, well, maybe stay an hour because the girls are tired. It's been a long few days. And we were there for a good long time. And because our older daughter was asking so many questions once once we got into the um like the sacred um portion of the museum, she was like asking, Well, what's a martyr? Because I would read her, you know, the the snippet next to it. I can't think of the actual the description. Description. That would be it. So I'd read her to the description and she would ask, well, you know, what's a martyr and why, why was she important? And well, cause she's the first martyr that we have on record, you know? And, um, she was asking, you know, well, why would they do a painting of that? Well, cause at that time they didn't have iPhones that you could just <laughs> take a snapshot of your loved ones this is how you remember people and pass on their story. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's always interesting that it's, you know, cause it's, it's more than that. It's that's cause that's the thing about art is, you know, it's, it's more than just capturing a memory. Mm-hmm. There's also something else to that. And I, I guess part of it's the recognition of the skill of the artist. I mean, that definitely mm-hmm. goes into it. Well, there and... was one. Oh no, it was it was in Oklahoma City when we went and saw the um, the Pompeii exhibit, where there mm. were several depictions of the same uh, legend or mm-hmm. scene, but depending on the artist, you know, it would have a certain certain vibrance or certain. You know, you could tell the the skill of the artist. Yeah. Even though it was the same scenes. Sorry, that was a rabbit trail on what you were saying. No, no, it's, yeah, it it is, it it is different. And and even in religious art, a lot of Christian art, you see that same idea. You'll see the same saint or the same miracle or parable depicted by different hands um, in in different ways, different levels of skill. And, And depending on on the artist, you know, it's like they emphasize a different part of the story. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's, but I think it's really interesting too, is, is the, you know, of course we always have different pieces of art that are more popular than others. One of the things, one of the coolest things I saw at the, the Kansas city museum was the piece by Hieronymus Bosch. I mean, it was, it was a very, it was one of a small, like, I don't know, what is it like eight by 12 or something? Just a tiny, did you see that one? I don't it remember. Was, it was a story of one of the, one of the, uh, I can't remember which saint, but who had been tortured by, by demons. And he's got all these little, uh, representations of different types of temptations that were befalling this, this saint. And I think it's interesting that that style of art, even though it's religious art, is kind of pushed to the side oftentimes by the church because it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not depictions of baby Jesus looking serene with a halo (laughs) around his head while Mary holds him, you know, with, you know, perfectly done hair right after he was born, you know, and all that. It's, what are you saying? That's how I look. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, we, we sanitize uh, too much Christian artwork these days. I mean, and especially like, and I think that's really one of the things that's kind of, kind of shot our ability to make really good artwork in the Protestant church. I know kind of harping on that. <laughs> it probably <laughs> not going to make any friends with this. But just the, we haven't um, followed the stories of a lot of the saints. We haven't looked, we don't, we don't have this beautiful artwork to show uh, our history and our struggle. And especially in America, we think, you know, it's been this way forever. You know, we're just, everything's good and keeps on getting good because God blesses us because we're American. And, you know, the church has had a long history of struggle. I mean, you look at the stories and all the pictures of all the saints they're all getting shot with arrows. They're all getting decapitated. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it. But we're oppressed. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and we have. I don't know. I. <laughs> it, I, I yeah. I don't want. I don't want to get too much into the political world, but you know, there's, there's a lot of a lot of churches that I think rely too heavily on the fact that the American government is very friendly with the church. And uh, I just wonder what it would look like if it stopped. <laughs> so not that I want that to happen, but I do think there are, and I think there are some, some people who do want that to happen, but I doubt there's as large a group as we think. <laughs> so in the movie, George Clooney just <laughs> gave his... In. Just a little. Gave his, you know, heartfelt speech the next day they're going in to um, start raiding different places um, to try to start recovering um, artifacts. And, uh, you know, he talked about some some people don't want us to be doing this. Um, but he said, but this is really what we're fighting for. It's our identity. It's our culture. It's our heritage. And one of my favorite quotes has always been, um, Winston Churchill. Um, and apparently he was asked to, to cut funding in favor of the war effort. And he simply replied, then what are we fighting for? And so like, 
as a music teacher, I, of course, always love that, love that quote. And then uh, learning about the Monuments Men, it gives it another, you know, another weight to it. Yeah, and, and actually did some looking, and apparently, even though he, that's apparently not a quote from him. <laughs> no one can tack that down, but apparently. I'm going to believe it. Uh, well, uh, it, it's kind of apocryphal, and he may have said it, but apparently it's not a. There's no. It's not on record anywhere. But they're saying based on his attitude, it's not hard to see. He could. He that he would have that said some it. some kind of sentiment that he he would have mm-hmm. valued, um, because yeah, it is. There's so much that that's been transmitted through art that you know because people can. You know, it's it's kind of funny because you know we we don't. We, there's a few history museums, but a lot of it, so much of it, you oftentimes you'll see an art museum mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, some, you know, unless there's like some event that happened in an area, usually the history museums are very much focused on local history, right. things like that. But how do they tell that story? Art and artifacts. Right. And, the, and usually the artifacts are either, you know, some kind of invention, but typically it's art or clothing, which clothing, you know, could be considered its own form of art. And then this is a, a great line that she brings back to him. Uh, basically, she's, she says, will you stop pe- speaking French or whatever that is here? <laughs> I'd like to forcefully introduce myself. Back to something you were saying earlier, um, I had mentioned, what was it I had mentioned? We were talking about, you know, passing history along through um, music music, and then um, about preserving likenesses or remembrances of people through art. Um, I, I was thinking about we were watching a episode of the Bible project this morning and there was a section on the parables and uh, said these, the, they don't always make sense, but they're not supposed to, they're supposed to um, inspire your imagination, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's another thing, you know, back to the Winston Churchill non quote about cutting the arts um, in, in, in a lot of schools when you have budget cuts, the first thing to go is the art program or the second music teacher or um, different things like that. And, um, you know, there's been all sorts of research on how uh, art and music affect, well, music in particular affects math scores and um, working together with other people because you have to play in an ensemble and you have to listen and, um, how you know we learned our ABCs with a with the with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and mm-hmm. um and so there are so many of those functional reasons to study music um I'm gonna you know apply that to art as well but there in the in the historical side and social studies and um but then also just just art for art's sake music for music's sake and mm-hmm. inspiring the imagination. 
And that's why, you know, a lot of the Bible is stories, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, stories yeah. or poetry. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love uh, Walter Brueggemann when he's to kind of tack on what you're saying about the the poetry side of things uh, in his book, Finally Comes the Poet. Um, Brueggemann talks about the biblical languages in the, um, especially that of the prophets and the Psalms and how most of our images of God come from the prophets and the Psalms and all that language is poetic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we really, I don't know that, I mean, I, I, I kind of grew up in a fairly fundamentalist church. Um, where, you know, you have to take the Bible completely literally or else you're not actually reading the Bible. And that, of course, they always want to apply that to the six-day creation account, um, which, of course, contradicts the other creation account. But anyhow, that <laughs> we can get into that all day if we want. But, you know, I was I was told that there's we should read the Bible like it's a technical manual and Mm -hmm. it's a science book. It's these things. And then, but if you really look at the way the the book is constructed and the language that's used, it's poetic language. And it's, it's not scientific descriptive language. It's just, uh, Brueggemann calls it a porous language has has the ability for God's glory to flow through it. And so I always love that that image of of this this porous language where you know and the same can be said about art even if you don't maybe you may not know the whole story of a certain saint, you may not know the parable, you may not know the Bible story. The uh you get you know, you get a good idea of what's going on. I love Bill Murray in the scene. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> he's always fantastic. But I love that he's just like, okay, we're gonna <laughs> mm-hmm. sit down, put down our weapons. One of the reviews I read of the movie said they were saying, "Well, why why did they even put this scene in here?" Like. The scene happens, and then nothing comes of it later. You know, like. Well, I I want to, you know, I don't. I I realize nothing technically uh, comes of it later. But, I mean, he it kind of does. There is a, there's a line that references it later. But, the um. I think it's just the fact that. You know they're they're running the Nazis out of these towns, mm-hmm. and this guy has been separated. They could have taken him. He could mm-hmm. have been a prisoner of war, but that would have resulted in a struggle. And at this point, you know, I think Bill Murray's character realizes, hey, you know, we're not really up for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like kind of like this guy probably just wants to get home to his family at this point, mm-hmm. and you know course whatever happens from there out who's to say right the other thing i was thinking when i um was listening to that earlier is i I don't know i just think of 
life's made up of a series of moments, you know, mm -hmm. like this could have happened. You know, it wasn't all like you were saying, like saving private Ryan or there, it wasn't all intense. There were these moments of, well, what do we do now? We did not learn this in basic training. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, our goal is art, not killing these, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, I, yeah, I have all kinds of unconnected moments. <laughs> well, honestly, I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of your family, you know, <laughs> like even when there's, oh my, gunfire, <laughs> that was, that was, that was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> If it came out of nowhere. Um, so, so, so just to give you a little inside scoop on this, normally when we do commentarians, we do it with the sound off and the subtitles on, but I've managed to rig a way for us to uh, get our, get the audio through our headphones so we can actually listen. And so uh, we have really good headphones and it sounded like the gunfire was coming from, from behind, behind us. us. <laughs> I was like, oh man. We just moved into this neighborhood. I don't think we made any enemies. <laughs> I didn't think our back porch was in that bad of shape. <laughs> but anyhow, I was thinking of your family and, you know, they're it, well in mine too. There's a lot of, we've dealt with some deaths of close relatives and different things. And it's very serious and heavy at times. But then someone cracks a joke that, to most would seem a little bit, you know, off, either not, not off color necessarily, but, um, untimely. Not, yeah. Untimely, not appropriate for the, the depth of the situation, but it's like, you know, if you, if you're not laughing, you're going to be crying. So you might as well, you know, take life as it comes in one moment at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has different coping mechanisms. Uh, our family has humor as one, and it's probably developed a little more than our other coping mechanisms. <laughs> well, I was just I was just thinking about that. Not that that's a good or bad thing, but I was just thinking of that when they were saying couldn't quite. It was one of the reveals saying that they couldn't quite get the tone of the movie that it kept going from like really really deep and serious to really lighthearted and slapstick humor, and mm -hmm. I was like. That's our life. <laughs> this, yeah. The tone of this movie is us. Maybe that's why we like it. Yeah. Well, and like I said, it, it kind of reminds me of, of older, you know, there's, I don't know, this is like a, a genre of movie that you don't typically see anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like events that happened near the war um, or events that happened like, it kind of reminds me of like the. Hey, do you remember the pigeon that took Rome? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was actually just thinking of that the one. Charlton Heston. It's a comedy set in the war. You don't really see those going on a lot anymore. Um, and I don't. I I think culturally, I think the attitude towards war has changed a lot. So that's part of one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. But it's you know versus now, like when everyone wants a war movie, they want something like Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, or or was it Dunkirk? Is that the other the, the no. other one that came out recently? That is just, from what I've heard, is just nonstop, uh, just tension, high tension 
drama war movie and so i'm kind of curious uh i'm, I'm kind of curious actually what the decision was to make a film like this because you again you don't really see something like this much anymore mm-hmm trying to think what was that other movie there's like a mel brooks movie too what's it called where he plays uh there's a they're an acting troupe that's um helping to uh sneak jews out of do you know what i'm talking about i do that sounds familiar city and so you know you've got a little bit of of gunfire and things like that but it's like it's so isolated but you're not ever in like the trench warfare action of that movie right and that's kind of a similar tone of what this reminds me of on with the to be or not to be it's like it's like some kind of i've got to look are you looking for it now yeah i'm trying to find it i think it's to be or not to be yes Yep, they uh, yeah, to be or not to be, Mel Brooks. If if you like um, number one, Mel Brooks's humor, <laughs> with a, from what I understand, a tiny bit of historicity. I think it's loosely <laughs> based on some of the events that may or may not have happened during <laughs> World War Two. Um, then that's a, it's one to to check out. Nineteen eighty three. That was the year I was born. This is a good year. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad I'm getting some good reviews. <laughs> you, you're getting a good review. So now where are we? Somewhere in Europe. <laughs> as far as the safe, movie goes. Safe, yeah. Is this the guy going back to preserve this, yeah, this, the statue? Yeah. We should just skip this part. Kidding. This is a, this is a sad part. This is the guy who uh, kind of disgraced his family. They, they, I don't know that they ever said what he did other than he was a drunk and there was something involving large amounts of money. Right. And he was supposed to go to jail. So he's looking at a... Madonna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just asked by the priests, "Are you are you a Catholic?" And he said, "I am tonight." It's a good line. Mm-hmm. Appropriate for what's going on. I love that, you know, he's he's writing his father, trying to let him know that he's finally grown up and decided to uh, try to make something of himself and try to redeem himself here. So. And now the Nazis are at the door of the church. Disguised as man who needs help.
seeing all the art and the, the monuments and things, it really, really does make me wish we did have, a, you know, a little more, uh, a little greater aesthetics in the, the church out this way, at least in the, the Protestant churches. Right. That's what, you know, a source that will remain unnamed, but a friend had mentioned it's really hard to you know he's from back out east it's really hard to worship in a lot of the churches we have here that are storefront or you know just big warehouses almost in look um when they're used to steeples and cathedrals and you know mm -hmm. just beautiful well, architecture and well, and the way a lot of the churches, uh, the cathedrals, a lot of the, um, even it's not necessarily a cathedral, but a way a lot of churches and a lot of the older traditions were put together, they were made to direct your attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the, and it's so funny because I have had, I've, I've been in on conversations where people talk about, you know, uh, not being able, having trouble worshiping in a place that's just a, a pole barn that's put together, you know, like, mm -hmm. they, which there are, there are some places, some people who meet in buildings that are pole barns and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think. No, but there, there is whenever you come from a tradition, wherever you are used to having these things that direct your attention and kind of cue you without, um, without having to be given specific instructions all the time or something like that. But I've heard people say, well, if, well, if, oh, well, if you're having trouble worshiping because this isn't happening or that isn't happening, are you really worshiping God? Or are you, you know, are you worshiping the environment or the building or the things? And I'm just going, I don't think that's the point either. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what I was going to say. That, that's not to say you can't be worshiping God, you know, in your car driving to work or whatever, right. but it's that same thing we're talking about inspiring the imagination or creating that sense of awe or directing your, eh, helping to guide your attention or your, um, your posture for lack of better words towards that something, that sense of someone, something bigger. Yeah, and so I, yeah, and so I, I do wish we, we kind of had, because, you know, they're even, like, because the, the old cathedrals were made to, to make you look up, and mm -hmm. then they had all the light that came across the tops of the ceilings, and then, of course, the Sistine Chapel, you know, that obviously is designed mm -hmm. to make you look up, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's this, and, and granted, that's a, that's a physical thing that doesn't automatically necessarily mean that you're worshiping per se. Right. But it directs your attention beyond the artwork. It it directs your attention beyond the markers and that's actually, you know, I've you know, you and I have led worship in different churches throughout the years. Mhm. Mm um and that's always kind of the thing that we talk to to people about um is, you know, our job is to is to point beyond ourselves. 
uh, you know, when we're up there leading, we're not, we're not up there to get attention. We're not there to, um, uh, what's the word? You know, we're, we're not there to show off what we do. We're, we're there to, to be a, a guidepost and the better we, and that's, it's actually one of the, the arguments too, that we get from, a, <laughs> it's really funny to me how many, uh, people I've had the conversation with about how we need to be well-practiced musicians in order to to lead worship better. And they're like, well, it's not about being good musicians. It's about pointing people to God. And it's like, well, yes, but if you're making mistakes every, you know, third measure and you can't keep a beat or carry a tune, that's going to be more distracting than a skilled musician mm-hmm. performing well. Right. Went back to the architecture of the old churches um, ties in with what you're saying. Like the, the point is not the musicians. The point is to um, to have people seeing beyond that, and they used to have the 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 balconies were for the choir. Mm-hmm. You know, they would sit back behind the congregation, and so you wouldn't be staring at them. You'd just hear all this <laughs> heavenly music, hopefully, <laughs> um, coming from behind you. And and the acoustics in the old um, churches and chapels, cathedrals. That sound just bounces all around, and you're just enveloped by mm-hmm. these choral voices. Yeah, I mean, the the reverb in, that it, in some of those buildings. I mean, you have guys right now spending hundreds of dollars on plugins for their digital workstations to uh, to to get that kind of sound out of something. Mm-hmm. And so it's it is kind of interesting, and. You're just talking about guys putting stuff together with stones. <laughs> right. So, is this, uh, was that snow on the ground I saw? Mm-hmm. Do we know a timeline? Have they put a date up? I have not been paying attention okay. to that. I've been paying attention to our conversation. But I think it's around Christmas because, uh... They're getting packages. They're getting packages, and they're about to play some music on the gramophone. Hmm. Premium that. saltine crackers. <laughs> you just said, just because we're at war doesn't mean one can't eat well. <laughs> I like that sentiment. Yeah, it's fair enough. He was really into that, whatever he just ate. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a saltine. That was a candy of some sort. (laughs) The, uh, yeah, there's kind of interesting. I mean, because you and I went to the World War I museum. Mm -hmm. We didn't go to the, I haven't been to a World War II museum. I would like to go see one because I would like to get some more of the history and Although I'm sure I'd get plenty of it, apparently, if I just watched the History Channel. The uh, Actually, well, no, not anymore. They don't really do that anymore. Back in the day when the History Channel used to run a whole bunch of documentaries all the time, it was kind of the joke that everything was either about the Civil War or World War II. And so there was 
there was some some parody video that was going on that it was they were uh it was a history channel's new program that wasn't going to be about world war ii <laughs> but every every date that they they gave they wouldn't give the date it was like they it was so many years before world war ii or so many years <laughs> after the civil war that's funny uh this is you know you know me i'm not the uh I'm not the biggest fan of Christmas or Christmas music specifically, but this is a really touching scene here mm -hmm. where have the uh have yourself a merry little Christmas playing during over the loudspeaker at the base. Well, and it was recorded by his wife and daughters. Is that what it was? So he that's what he had gotten Bill Murray's character had gotten in his Christmas package was a um an LP? Is that what it, um, that was or, that would that not was, be an LP. That would be a single. A single, a, a short play. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he'd gotten a record, and they had recorded them like a Christmas message for him. Yeah, then you juxtapose that with this. This is probably the the roughest scene here in the movie. He's got wounded coming into the hospital. Uh, while the uh, the song's going on, and but yeah, very touching moment here, and of course Bill Murray, just his expression in this scene is just just says everything you need to see. So sorry if you're not watching along, but when you when you do watch this, just. Be prepared. This is a <laughs> this Bill, seems a little sad. Yeah. Bill Murray's range of acting, you know, mm -hmm. known as the comedic actor, but has done some amazing dramas as well. Yeah, I actually was listening to an interview with someone who who worked with Bill Murray, and they said apparently uh, he doesn't have like an agent. But he has a, a cell phone that people can just call and he might answer or he can leave a message and he might call you back. <laughs> Apparently he's a very uh, interesting character to work with in Hollywood. And so <laughs> I've actually, you know, uh, I, I wonder oftentimes about the roles he selects because he does do a lot of very, very wide range of things. He does a lot of uh, who are the. Who's the guy who uh, who did the Royal Tenenbaums and uh, Oh yeah, uh, the Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic. Um, I know Danny's probably if he's listening, he's probably shaking his head. <laughs> Why uh, don't we know? He should know that the answer is, and I was hoping I'd remember. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that yeah bill murray uh, works with uh wes anderson that's there his name. i had to look it up wes anderson a lot of course wes anderson does a his filmmaking style is quite unique and i love the way he does shots so lots of things with the wes anderson movies look like they are uh um you know look like they're a picture or a painting of themselves so yeah but yeah like 
the Royal Tannenbaums, there's a shot in there where like the whole family's sitting together, but uh, Margot's like kind of off in the corner, and the way it's all framed, she looks tiny compared to everyone else, and it just really kind of illustrates kind of the the family dynamic. It's mm-hmm. a really cool spot there, but and so anyway, back to the back to the film we're actually watching. Um, <laughs> we just got a letter from Hitler um, saying that if the Nazis have to retreat that they're to destroy all the paintings, um, which, you know, kind of petty, I think. I was going to say, that just seems unnecessary. Yeah, it's one of those, like, if if I can't have it, no one can have it kind right. of things. Yeah. Which, you know, we don't exactly expect maturity out of Adolf Hitler. True. So. Lice. Sorry. Someone pulled up and said, what's cooking? He said, lice. He's boiling his clothes to kill the lice. But this is where they... It's where they're kind of trying to start to put together where everything is. Yeah, he says we have, they're talking about where they're going, and the one guy says, and we have to hope no one kills Hitler. He says, I never thought I'd say that. But, you know, they're working out trying to get a hold of the the artifacts, and just have, right now it's a race against time, because they know that, you know, the, the war's on its, the war's almost over. So... course like the uh don't know why we've got the dental scene here either but not a fan of that of the dental scene no, i'm not a fan <laughs> of the dentist in general <laughs> i feel bad for dentists they're doing a good thing they get kind of a bad rap i don't know anyone who likes going yeah but- yeah. Don't generally like. Is this like the is guy also like the baker and what's the one? What's this a bakery on the front and dental service in the back? Oh my. He sells a lot of sweets. <laughs> Keep the candy store in the front <laughs> and dental services in the back. It's like throwing job na- security. Yeah, it's like uh, you know throwing nails in front of your tire shop or something. <laughs> oh. so yeah and now we have this light whimsical score again as they're off like (laughs) trying to save the art before Hitler gets killed (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah oh and this scene here it's got to be very difficult because This guy, I think, is trying to play it off like he's trying to help them out and that he's, you know, was not sympathizing with the Nazis. And then they're starting to notice all of the the, the art on the walls. 
and this would be a very difficult dinner to attend. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, kind of trying to play his hand, try to get some information out of him, uh, try to see if they can figure out where the art's going. Ask him if he knows the Rothschilds. And of course, you know, this is where if we really wanted to, we could go down to some some conspiracy theory rabbit holes, but I don't think I want to do that. (laughs) Oh, they've just found him out. You've been discovered, sir. It was a gift. <laughs> the Renoir too. <laughs> and this is where we're going to arrest you for war profiteering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nervous chuckle. Nervous chuckle, yeah. This is kind of what I'm doing on the podcast right now, too. (laughs) Oh, oh, that was low. Well, be careful what you say around your kids. Mm -hmm. Don't repeat everything. Yeah. Okay, so they've arrested this dude. Do they officially arrest him or are they making him show him where stuff is that would be smarter it's not what they hoped to find when they got there they no. they got what town was it Merker? segan segan okay the other people went to Merker. Mm-hmm. of course john goodman he does a good job in this role as well Kind of curious, because he was also in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I kind of wonder mm-hmm. if he and Clooney have, like, I guess I guess they at least have a good working relationship. Right. Um, I don't keep up a lot with celeb- celebrity gossip. <laughs> and, you know, John Goodman and George Clooney, generally, they don't get they don't get a whole lot of spotlight these days. Right. So I don't know what their what their relationship is. So. <laughs> and they stopped to view a horse. Well, I mean, it's gonna be their undoing. Yeah, this seems a kind of rough too. But it's just, I mean, I wonder if he is like <laughs> offering a cigarette. <laughs> the well, I mean, you're out here. The 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 a lot of stuff's been destroyed. You don't know if this horse is out there by itself. It might belong to somebody who'd be helpful if you returned it. I'm sure there's something of that nature going on. But this is where... John Goodman... Runs across some allied troops here. 
point out that they might not want to be just standing in the field. Trying to subtly signal that they should be moving on. And the double bass doing a slight Jaws theme. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I hadn't noticed bum, that. Bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, the most Danger ominous. Danger is lurking. Ominous two notes in the Get movie. Get out of the water. <laughs> so. Or in this case, the open field. Yeah. Oh, they got him. Jean-Claude. And of course, they're stuck right in the middle of a crossfire. And at this point, our children would be pointing at the TV saying, TV word, TV word. Yes, we we don't (laughs) use those in real life, right? So, yeah, I am, I gotta say, it took me a while to actually get around to finally watching this movie, because life just gets busy, and I'm just now kind of in the last couple years getting to where I feel like we can actually watch movies, Mm -hmm. watch grown-up movies with the kids. Right, so, <laughs> grown-up movies. Well, not to be confused with adult movies. Definitely not. <laughs> we don't have any of that around here. But um, something yeah. that's not animated. Yes, yeah, something that's not animated. And I actually got to say, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the way it was put together. Like I said, the fact that it doesn't try to be that super intense war movie all the time. Mm-hmm. And it does try to focus on the the people and where they're from and the characters growing together. And and also we kind of have two. So, so far we've had two of our seven killed. And this is where Given yeah, given Walter a chance to to go home. And what I think is funny is how quickly he responds to Walter saying he'd rather just finish it. <laughs> he had like he was he was kind of anticipating that. Mm-hmm. It's like at well, this point I want to make it worth didn't it. Didn't even pause. Right. I love how they're trying to like piece it all together. Yeah, and this is where they figure out that they've been hiding them in mines. Which is, you know, could be smart. You know, yeah, pretty smart. Be- Fairly safe from bombings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. No one's going to think, well, most people aren't going to think to look there. This young gentleman figured it out. 
he's their interpreter, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's the interpreter. He's he's also the one you know, over uh, earlier in the film when he was listening to the German soldiers talk. He figured out that the commanding officer and the other guy had switched uniforms. Oh. Okay. What's that? Now we have a bicycle and a wall. Bicycle mine. Wait. <laughs> Fresh grout. Yep. Find the sledgehammer. Or the pickaxe. Whatever. Either one. I would use the other end. Uh, the other end's more like a blade. That's the. Oh, that was the I thought it was a blunt force. No, the the other ends of blades, kind of like a Maddox. Okay. Learn something every day. <laughs> it would be more more apt for digging in dirt. Okay. Triumphant Here's... music. Yay! We have found paintings. You've found a whole mine full of art. Oh. And who are all these other people down there? Like, these are people they've called in to start cataloging uh, yeah, I think, things? Yeah, I think there was a, a little bit of a time lapse. Because when I first, the first time I watched this, I thought that they had, like, walked in on a whole on bunch of Nazis. Nazis working. Like in Indiana Jones <laughs> yes. and the Last Crusade. No, that's what I was expecting. <laughs> um, yeah, because we do have, yeah, I forgot. I always... For some reason, I almost always forget that there's Nazis in the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> and that's like, like everything. Every Yeah, it's like the main plot point of <laughs> um, almost, well, of two of the three. Uh, the Temple of Doom, there was not so much Nazis in that one. Right. Um, at least if there were, they were kind of more of a minor uh, character compared to the other two movies. But, um, yeah, it just kind of... Yeah, that's what you're exactly right. That's what I was expecting whenever they walked in there, and I was like, <laughs> "That's what I thought was happening." Um, we're just walking in the whole operation. Okay, Claire is warming up to whoever Matt Damon's character mm -hmm. is, and apparently Matt Damon wasn't originally supposed to play this role. No, he was. Oh, who was it? it? Was I saw that just to a be. Uh, oh, the James Bond. What's his name? Craig. Craig. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Um, I almost said Bond. Craig. I almost said Craig Ferguson. I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that that's would a be, <laughs> They'd be going be very, very comedic be in very that case. movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm guessing, so he ha had to back out at the last minute. And so I'm guessing good old George just called in his buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey. Well, and, and, and Matt Damon's pretty good. I I didn't care for like some a lot of his stuff earlier, but he's he's one of those people he just looks comfortable in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of actors seem pretty stiff from time to time. I don't think I've ever seen him like look like he's uncomfortable. Yeah. So I can't wait to see his new movie that they shot right here in Oklahoma. Which one? Stillwater. Stillwater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard good and bad things about it, but... Well, I just want to see it because one of my friends from high school helped a lot and, like, got to know Matt Damon and got to go to the 
to the premiere and stuff. Yeah. And she has all these pictures now of her like hugging Matt Damon. That's <laughs> like, cool. I want to see it. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because you kind of get there's like, and you know you 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 can't really get a really good full impression of people, um, you know, watching their movies and, right. and seeing them in interviews, but. Matt Damon kind of strikes me as one of those people who is actually kind of really grateful to be where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and as opposed to a lot of actors who are like, well, of, of course, you know, I'm yeah. so good at this, you know, and it's like, yeah, we, yes, you're a good actor, but you're kind of a jerk, you know, where, right. It, Matt Damon has never struck me in that way. It, you know, as though he's kind of a, you know, thinks that the world owes him something for being a good actor. Mm-hmm. And he does teach, like, how to how to speak Bostonian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Videos. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we were... This has nothing to do with the movie, but we... For work, we went to a murder mystery dinner, and... Uh... I was Steve Watson from Boston. Yeah. And we we work at a school, so most of our staff is women. So they had to kind of split up the uh, the parts a little bit. <laughs> My children thought it was ridiculous that I was wearing a tie as I walked out the door. Yeah, so Mickey had to play a man, and she, yeah, so she was from Boston. So she was funny. We were we were going up, and uh, she found a video. It's like you know we're like half an hour away from where we're supposed to be, and there's this. Uh, video to learn learn a boston accent in just hours <laughs> like, i don't have that long how about five minutes and, matt damon to the rescue and of course the the instructor in the video says uh to really uh master an accent you really should study it for you know two to three weeks at, at minimum <laughs> and we're like well that's not gonna work out either <laughs> so. but so uh can't ever remember the characters names in this movie well it's claire and james claire and james okay so side note if you're viewing at home if you're watching on amazon it will tell you (laughs) most of the time who is in a scene and who plays them so claire and james relationship has developed significantly from their first meeting Mm -hmm. there was lots of distrust and well um, i mean she was in prison well, yeah. I he, mean, I mean, I'm he not, was working for the people who put her there. I'm not saying that I blame the, them yeah. for those feelings, but he, she's realized that he really is there for the good of the art and the good of the people. Mm-hmm. That he's not going to take it back to the states for a trophy or as a trophy, and uh, so she's actually trying to help and. Has invited him over for a candlelit dinner, and well, and and the other thing is, there's also is this the scene where they find out, or where she tells him that the germ, not the Germans, the Russians are taking paintings back with them mm-hmm. because they they think they're kind of owed that as you know for for helping defeat the Nazis more mm-hmm. or less, and so. There, there was a lot of that going on, and and you know, to be honest, I I don't think I can really blame a lot of the Russians for feeling that way, 
because the the death toll I, I can't remember what it is but it, the death toll of the the Russians was higher than just about any of the other uh, forces that in, that that fought against Germany I mean it, it was just insane so yeah that's a little known figure is the number of Except I don't remember the exact number. Right. Kind of want to look that up real quick. So she's giving him her journal of where she has cataloged every single piece of art that came through her. Um, was it a museum where she? Yeah, the museum well, curator. Well, it wasn't and, just her as the curator. It was uh, she was doing the collect uh, cataloging the collections for the Nazis. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just her museum pieces. And so she's labeled them all, um, labeled the paintings and then um, made record of them. And is showing her, him, where the majority of the pieces have been taken. Yeah. And now, and here's something else that I'm really proud of this movie for. And this is something you don't see a lot anymore because, you know, had this been made by someone else, someone with less integrity than George. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know George Clooney. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Going on a tangent. But, uh, you know, a lot of other scripts, you know, this would have been the... the a little fling. The, the fling. And, yeah. And he I, says, no thanks, I'm married. Yeah. And he respectfully, kindly declines. Mm -hmm. And moves along. Yep. So I do love that. I mean, well, of course, to certain fundamentalist Christians, that's totally unrealistic. You know. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh but it my. can be done. You know, just because you're alone with someone doesn't mean it has to mean anything. But no, I, I in all in all reality, though, in all honesty. Very glad that that's how they handle it in the film. Yes. Because it's just the way it should be. Makes me even more of a Matt Damon fan, even though I know it was just his character in the writing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. I should be more of a George fan. <laughs> uh, did, he, did he do the screenplay? I don't know. I feel like he did. Okay, so we're finding lots and lots of art. Good job. That was your goal. Mission all, accomplished. All our dreams are coming true. Except for the Madonna. Uh, he worked on the screenplay, but I don't know. It doesn't say exactly how much. I don't know how much he did. But there was about four people to put the screenplay together. Of course, that. Of course, the uh, that Madonna is going to be a, a piece they really want to find. Of course, Matt's saying there, there's, there will not be a thousand year Reich, no, no Führer museum. And of course, that does raise the question, um, because about like a lot of these art pieces of artwork, you know, we we have this task force or unit army unit that's this task with i don't know it's technically task force i'm not sure um 
who are charged with getting these paintings back to where they belong, but there's still actually a lot of ongoing lawsuits and court battles and legal actions. They're trying to, um, trying to, to, is it repatriate? Is that the right word? Pieces of art to Sounds right. the countries that they came from. And, uh, and right here, the scene. When, uh, this is one of those scenes where I thought he was going to walk in on something different, too. Because mm -hmm. when he starts in with, are you okay in there? And then he... Oh. Got all the gold. All the money. And this is actually... Th this scene, there is a... So this scene where they find all the fillings. Mm-hmm. Ugh. This is... And this is where... This was a long conversation with our yes, eight-year-old. Yes, I was going to say, this um, is where she really started asking questions about why uh, Why would they take their fillings? Yeah. How did they get their fillings? Yeah, we had to explain to her. You know, and First, we had to explain to her that fillings used to be made of gold because they're one of the few non-toxic metals that doesn't degrade. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, that was... And it's just, I mean, it's one of those things like how, now granted, I mean, they were, they were desperate for money at this time. I mean, part of the reason for World War II was that, you know, Germany's economy was in shambles from the first war. And, uh, the, uh, yeah, I, that is kind of an interesting line there. They don't care about the, about, about art. the art, but they sure do care about the gold. But yeah, I mean, Germany's economy had, had been in shambles, and so they were trying to get any kind of funding they could. So, I mean, they were going as far as taking gold fillings out of people's mouths as they were arresting them, and it just just turned your stomach to think of that kind of atrocious evil. And so... This... Uh, So it's got us a couple trucks. <laughs> Do I want to know how? And of course, the scene here where they, ugh. yeah, and so the scene is rough. Um, they burn all the paintings. Mm -hmm. you say? It just said in the last scene that um, there was a crushing blow to Hitler's regime, and so the, you know, the newest instructions were if. The Nazis lost. They were going to burn all the artwork. And that's what they're doing. An entire mindful of oh. paintings. And it's, and, and you know, and I don't know, I, part of it for me to see all the, the painting burns. And again, you know, I, of course, had, you know, respond the same way to the idea of people having their fillings pulled out or people lying in mass graves and things like that. But I think part of it, is you see the art, and it it's not just people. It represents thousands of people. It represents the history. So you know, some of these they represents the history of country, entire countries at times. Uh, some of these collections, and oh, this this. And James has stepped on a landmine. 
Luckily, yeah. he heard the click and stopped walking. <laughs> I love I love the line. You seem to have stepped on a landmine. Well, why would you go and do something like that? <laughs> That's my dad, by the uh -huh. way. Well, why would you go and do something like that? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> then Again. the other character asks the same question. <laughs> I love Bill Murray's assessment. You're going to have to step off of it eventually. And this. Oh, mostly. I love the. They're speculating it's burned out by the fire. So. It's kind of hard to not get wrapped up in this scene. I'm trying mm -hmm. to keep letting everyone know what's going on. Yeah. But um so they're trying to counterweight it again, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to try to slide over this stack of bricks at the exact time that he steps off the mine. <laughs> <laughs> He's lying about his weight. <laughs> it's like, well, my driver's license. Says. My driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> grad school. Yeah, in grad school, I was one seventy five. <laughs> if we did this right, just step off. <laughs> so this is actually. I mean, landmines are. That's got to be one of the most nerve wracking things to to happen. Is to step on one of those things. And I do love this where the guys are, you know, trying to decide who's staying and who's who's going. And they don't want to leave him by himself. That's the kind of camaraderie that you kind of build up is, you know. Yeah, that's I this is actually one of the things that, you know, I I never served in the military, but I did have a lot of family members who served in the military and and that is one of the things that there is part of me that kind of regrets not doing it because there are the there is a certain camaraderie you get with other people who have served even if you don't know them. And mm -hmm. I've seen that respect and that camaraderie that turns out Turns out that the main payload had a, had been spent in the fire. The detonator was still there, so all the mm -hmm. <laughs> it just uh, just the detonator fired, but the the payload was not there. So he he survived. Um, but but just with you know, there's there's a certain respect you see between men in the military. Like I said, even if both have served in different branches and meet each other afterwards, and that's one of those things that I definitely have missed out on in my life, and I will not know that kind of camaraderie with these guys. Um, but I was going to say something. I, I said you could just go to grad school. Not that it's the, and then I realized, well, that's kind of like the art versus <laughs> like the Holocaust, you know, but it's like I'm that's where I met my tribe, you know, yeah, I'm still no, really I, close friends with all my you know, music grad I get school that. buddies. But but, it's, but I, it's I know very what you different mean. It, yes. With guys who have served in, in war times together. Right, right. Um, 
So, um, yeah, one of my good friends' husbands was served in the Navy, and they still get together every single summer and go mm-hmm. and hang out. And, and so I, I definitely respect the guys who did serve in the military. There's, there's, there's lots of. Well, a lot that they've had to to endure, and so this was the scene with the uh, the fillings. Sorry, well, they're feeling a bit somber as they should. Yeah, can't can't imagine walking up on something like that. Just ooh. just gives me the the chills just thinking about it. Here is oh, more paintings burning, burning. More artwork. This actually kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the movie Swing Kids. I was thinking that's one of the World War II movies mm-hmm. that I think about quite often. Is uh, if you've not seen that one, it's a group of kids who live in I'm not sure which city, but it's uh, you know Hitler has banned jazz and swing music because it comes from the black community and uh you know and the there's also you know Django Reinhardt and kind of a i think i think he was uh romani wasn't he but anyway but there was you know just he he considered it a low form of music and you could only dance and play and sing german songs and and it's about these kids who would have these underground nightclubs where they would go and they would swing dance and listen to jazz and gypsy music and you know just it was is they 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 put their lives at stake for this form of art and so uh, that one kind of falls along in the the same lines that you know we've, we've got to have some we've got to express have our our means of expressions um and that they are worth sacrificing for in some ways you know i, I don't think that I don't know how much, you know, where does it end? You know, how much do we put on the line to right. preserve art and to preserve music? Um, it's, it's a good question. Right. So it's, it's not a matter of life and death, but if you don't have it, what is life? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's that's the question that, you know, I don't know if we'll ever have a good answer to that. And, you know, it's, it's like you go to, you know, it's, uh, you know, I listened, I heard Jordan Peterson once talking about, you know, we go to museums and what are we doing? We're looking at art. Well, why are we looking at this art? Well, because we've decided it's valuable. Well, why have we decided it's valuable? Because there's something that we don't understand about it that moves us in ways mm-hmm. that we can't explain. Mm-hmm. And the is the the Ghent is that what it was? The Ghent altarpiece? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you were saying, the uh the um was it the Monet water lilies in oh Kansas my City? Goodness. They you walk in and they have the lighting set up 
so that it mimics sunrise all the way to sunset um, because that's, you know, what they said inspired Monet to paint the water lilies mm. because the colors changed. He was looking out at the same scene, but the change in the colors was so incredible. And so they've recreated that um, at the museum. And then they have, you know, some soundscape as well. But just watching the change of the the colors with the mm -hmm. lighting was just incredible. Yeah. It's like, you, you that's know, why we're looking at art. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like Monet, yeah, his, his the impressions, they tried to capture how light worked and not the object itself. Mm -hmm. And you really got in there with, I mean, seeing that exhibit. It really was amazing because you're sitting there, you're looking, even though you know it's not moving, it looks like it's moving. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, it's one of those things you, you see Monet in a book and you're like, okay, it's okay. But whenever you see it in person, you're like, oh, I understand. And especially the other thing is the size of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you're not going to get that out of a book. I mean, to, to get the size of that anywhere else, you're probably going to have to have like a projector or a poster. Right. The, the, I had no idea it was. I knew they were large, but you don't think about it when you when you go to look at it. You're like, oh, that's because I mean, what is it? What was that like eight by 12 or yeah, something? I think so. It was just massive. Um, probably closer to like eight by 15. And, mm -hmm. you know, to capture the things the way he did. And it really is. You just sit there and you stare at it. And it's it's incredible. And then the. You know, you it really it's hard to explain what happens to you when you look at a good piece of art. It's and what's interesting is a piece that has that effect on one person won't have that effect on another person. But oftentimes you'll have that one piece that strikes enough people in just the right way that everyone agrees that this should be in a museum and to the point where now, you know, or during World War II, it was, this should be in our museum. Mm -hmm. And so, um, back to what I was saying a long time ago about mm -hmm. history museums is you can, you know, the thing about like the way art preserves our history is art becomes popular. And history oftentimes doesn't uh, doesn't really get as popular as a lot of art pieces. And so the art pieces are going to be there and the story is going to be there. Whereas you can change the way we tell histor tell about historical events, that art's not going to change. So there's something about that that kind of anchors us in the story of who we are, um, that in a way that history books and history teachers and things are not going to do in the same way. No offense to history teachers. You, you know, you have an important job too. And we appreciate that, but it's it's not art. <laughs> I mean, it is art. It's, <laughs> but it's not. You know what I'm saying? It's not. <laughs> it's not like art like we have known it. And uh, the speech is kind of rough too. Whew. 
Yeah, I guess you're talking about it's art or it's not art. You think of music enhances a story or mm -hmm. art enhances, you know, our history. But then you think, well, is the art our history? Is the music our history? You know, it's it's all uh, tied together. It's all intertwined. It's not. It's not facts versus the artistic trimmings. Right. You know, it's all, it is all one thing. Yeah. And this is actually great here because they, the, they found out the, uh, they just found out that the miners were the ones who sealed the caves. Uh, when they got to this town, all the, the caves were sealed up. And they thought that the Nazis had, dis had collapsed the caves on the art, but the miners collapsed the entrances. To keep the Nazis to out. Keep the Nazis out. And then, but now um, the monuments men are now having. Now it's a race against time because the Russians are on their way. The Russians are coming. And they don't. The they know if the Russians take them, they're gonna take them back to Russia. <laughs> Great. What do you know about explosives? Nothing. Ah! Oh. He rigged it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> As he pulled up on the what is that even called? Plunger. I mean, the plunger. It exploded <laughs> instead of when he pushes down. But it did the job. They're in. They're through. We we we, we got we're into the paintings. The painting mine. Mining for paintings. <laughs> It's the alternative title they had for this, <laughs> the working title. Oh, man. And of course, this is where they, they're looking for the Gint altar, is that right? Yes, and they found it. Well, most of it. Just kind of. Oh, were they blowing up the bridge? Is that what they were doing? <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were doing, but they did it. <laughs> Somebody did. This scene right here is so funny. They go back and they're not, not the scene where they're clearing the bridge, but the uh, where they go back and they're looking for it and they can't find it. The missing piece of the panel. Yeah. Or the altar piece. Yeah. The missing panel of the altar piece. The missing missing panel go. from the altar piece. There yes. we go. This <laughs> they're looking. <laughs> they're arguing over where they are. <laughs> They've been using it as a desk the whole time. <laughs> Good thing he dropped his pen. <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray. <laughs> You're gonna miss me so much when this war is over. And they've been like acting like an old married yeah. bickering couple the entire Yeah, movie. and then they, they flip it over. <laughs> Ta da <laughs> I bet you wish that what is it he says? Right now you wish that German had shot you. <laughs> I do. I do. 
had to explain that one to the eight-year-old. Like, why would he wish he had been shot? <laughs> like, it's called he's sarcasm. <laughs> he's addressing his level of embarrassment. Hmm. But I do love that uh, I've been using it as the desk the whole time. thing i think i think this is like it's i would say this is a good sunday afternoon movie it's not it's not, not yeah it's not like a great epic film it's not a uh it's funny because we're recording on a sunday afternoon <laughs> it's not like a grand Perfect. it's not like a grand epic film it's not something that is um i don't even know what what else? It's not to like say? a Friday night blockbuster. Yeah, hit. It, yeah, it's not like a big blockbuster. But <gasps> the Madonna hey, they found the Madonna and Child. And child. Yes, um, but it is a good one. I think that if you, it's a good introduction to the concept of World War II. It asks a lot of good questions about art. What we can, what we think, what we doesn't ask really say what we consider to be art, but does ask the questions about. Is this important? And what are we? What do we need to be willing to do for it? And so that's a, that's a great question to ask. <laughs> he says to Madonna, to the Madonna, let's get, let's out, get of out of here. here. <laughs> let's blow this joint. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, he doesn't realize that he's got the got the Madonna and child. So I am curious. I mean, because now I think at the end of the movie, they they <laughs> <laughs> I think at the end of the movie, if you're watching along, you know why we're laughing. I'm not going to repeat it on the podcast. If you're not watching along, you should be. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm kidding. You don't have to, but um, I think at the end of this, they say there is something what five million pieces recovered by the monuments men. Mm-hmm. I just just blows my mind. We did leave something <laughs> left an American flag for the mm-hmm. Russians. They. They must not have been in that big of a hurry. <laughs> right. Had time to string up an American the, flag. Wait a Is that pattern's different? How many states do we have in 44? I should know that. But... So they returned the altarpiece to the chapel where it came from. Now they're doing their George Clooney's present back to his presentation, and he's uh, giving a synopsis of what all was recovered. Yep. And James left his tie on the train as a symbol that he was sending all that stuff back to her. This is, yeah, 
What's the number of things? 5,000 5, church 000, bells. Yes. That is just insane. Thousands of Torahs. Yeah. A lot, like, of, a lot of Jewish art. I just... Yeah, 5 million pieces. Over 5 pieces. million pieces. That, and they're still working on returning things, right? I think to saying. this day they're still working on getting some pieces of art returned. I don't know if it's through the Monuments Men specifically, but there are foundations still that right. are working to find pieces that were lost by, uh, largely by Jewish families mm -hmm. um, because they were the ones who had their their artwork stolen, um, you know, obviously in German. And and yeah. our oldest daughter asked me the other day, I don't know why she was thinking about this, but she said, is it a lot for us to worship God in the United States? I said, no. I said, yeah, that's one of the great things about our country is that we all get to choose. Mm-hmm. Because, and then I was able to tie it back to this, you know, that Hitler wanted everyone to believe the same way and act the same way. And that's why mm -hmm. so many Jews were killed. We get to choose. Yeah, I do love the uh, question. Yes, if, if Jeffries was able to speak would he say it was worth it and the one that was killed for I, I think to... i think he was the one who was killed to going to get the madonna mm -hmm. and then uh and of course the guy's asking the the debriefing you know if he thought it was worth it for these men to die at the piece of art then we flash forward stokes character at the Madonna and Child, saying, yeah, it was worth it. And showing his grandson. Mm-hmm. This... Oh, and that's George Clooney's father, cast as old George Clooney. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... And just look, look at that, that, pipe, that pipe organ. organ. Oh my goodness, pipe organ's amazing. And the choir balcony. Yep. About incredible statue over here. So yeah, that's monuments, men. We still have some credits to go through, of course, but but the book's on the that, way. That is the movie <laughs> at large. Um, and then there's photos of. The, the actual yeah the actual scenes mm -hmm. and i'm sure they used a lot of those for reference and in, in order to put these together but i just when i when i heard about this movie i knew i wanted to uh to watch it and then we were this has been on my list of movies to do for commentarians since we started commentarians back up with joe and uh because I didn't even care if it was a good movie. I just wanted to talk about the importance of art in our culture mm -hmm. and the importance of preserving these things. Because even if Winston Churchill didn't specifically say, then what are we fighting for about, um, about cutting art 
funding in schools, we should still understand that we all know it's important. There's mm-hmm. the studies are out there. I mean, even if, even if the studies are wrong, you can't deny that there's some way that it enriches us to be around things that are beautiful, to have art. Uh, I would say it's important to have art on our walls, uh, but we haven't put our much art on our <laughs> walls here at our new place since we moved in. But it's important to to experience things that give us that sense of awe and wonder and beauty. And I actually, this is something that I kind of wanted to say earlier, is, and then I forgot, I should have made notes, but just, you know, it's one of the things that, and I think I started to when we got into, we're talking about cathedrals and things to made to direct your attention and stir up that sense of awe. And just practicing a sense of awe in, in the Christian faith, and we actually, one of the things that I think we tend to think of awe as in, we always want to think of big things like mountains and sunsets and clouds and you know those are things that inspire awe because they're they're made by god but there's also you know we should we should be near art we should be in places where we can practice sense of awe with something that's near to us um you know it's like i i think of you know we there's this other sense of awe that we should think about with god about like he's not just distant he's also you know, he's holy, but he's close to us. He's the one, and I, I use this example with one of my friends. I'm like, you know, I've been married for, for 13 years now, and there's, you know, I screw up things. I forget things. I'm late. I'm not always the greatest father. I don't, you know, I don't always pick up my clothes off the side of the, the bedroom floor after they're laundered. They just kind of get rummaged through, and I pull them out as I need. You know, there's things like this, and then my wife uh, in spite of all that, still loves me. And so whenever I, there's times whenever I think about all the things she tolerates and there's kind of a sense of awe that is very <laughs> personal that comes with that. And so, you know, just we reflect and we practice that sense of awe and it builds into our day-to-day. And art's one of the ways we get there. And uh, so all that to say... I really enjoyed this movie. And now I'm crying. Oh, well, I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) Um, And then he goes and says something like that, and I forget all about his laundry on the floor. So, um, but yeah, but, but that's, that's, you know, we need to make awe a little more personal and experiencing art, being close to art, staring a painting. I mean, going to, I mean, going to the art museum and staring a, 2000 year old painting in the like eye level with this beautiful detailed work that will strike some awe into you um if not you you should see a doctor or something but anyhow (laughs) um that being said we're wrapped on the movie it's going through the credits right now mickey did you have anything else to add to any of it put me on the spot well i mean We've, we've had the whole movie to, to work through. I just I didn't right. know if there was anything else that, that no, you wanted to mention I mean, before we sign off. I think that was off. a good good closing. Just the sense of awe and imagination and wonder and thinking thinking beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, just stirring up that the questions and the conversation and um, 
and even the feeling, you know, yeah. just the, all the feelings. So yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good time. Um, if you want to join us, we will be back next month. We'll be, of course, with uh, on the first of the month. Uh, I don't know who's going to be doing it, but probably will be Joe, maybe me, maybe Emily. It's anybody's game. Uh, we'll be back with the coming attractions, and we will um, uh, be, of course, on the internet where you can find us, uh, facebook.com slash thecommentarians, Twitter at commentarians, uh, Instagram at commentarians, and, of course, Raven Creek SC where you can find all the Raven Creek Social Club and our respective programs. Um, find me normally on Faith and Other Oddities with Emily Dixon. Um, go check out uh, Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. Tending Our Nets with Josh Sherman. And also, uh, don't forget our newest one is Answers to Giants Questions with Tim Stedman and Chris Bather. They're uh, the southern, the far southern branch. <laughs> Of the Raven Creek Social Club. So representing, south, you might say they're down under. Yes, yes. <laughs> representing way down in, uh, I believe, the Perth area, which is apparently on the west end of the uh, of the continent down there. So shout out to those guys. We love your program. Uh, but come back. Join us next month. And until next time, we'll see you on the internet. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Commentarian Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives, of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them.